we go. Tuesday, November 14th. Welcome back to Damon Bruce Plus. Now over 9,000 subscribers. Thanks to so many of you clicking on, clicking in, clicking through, supporting the product. It means an awful lot. Cheers. Good morning. And I'm telling you, at 1130 today, I got a surprise for you. How about that? I'm in the gift-giving mood. I'm in the information-sharing mood. I'm in the great interview-setting-up mood. So at 11.30 today, I got something a little for you. Welcome. We're about to talk about how Nick Bosa showing up re-inspired, reinvigorated, and getting to quarterbacks could be the single biggest development, not just for the 49ers, but in the NFL this season, if that's indeed what is happening. If there is an alarm going off and he's no longer hitting that snooze button, the NFL better look out. Again, cheers to you, and I want to just get this right out of the way early because... Not only did I know we were going to be at proper temperature for sip of the day, but I actually busted into the coffee that Irwin brought me to Plus Mania 2 Electric Boogaloo. Let me just tell you, this Andy Town stuff, Irwin, are you in there? I don't know. Are you, are you in the room yet, Irwin? I don't know if you are, but Irwin, this is great coffee. This Andy Town, woo, I like it a lot. Very good coffee. So thank you so very, very much. We got an awful lot to get into. Irwin reporting for duty. Love it. Here, great coffee, Irwin. Thank you. Thank you. I guess the under hit like a mother today, Chef A. I guess it really did. Uh, there you go. S to 12, uh, 11.03, documented, under, just great coffee. I mean, when you get great coffee, you got to get right to it. I'd be burying the lead. You know what I mean? Look. The lead story here, other than at 11.30, I got an awesome guest coming up on today's show, is that it really feels, it really looks like Nick Bosa's been completely unlocked here. Um, if he starts playing like last year's reigning defensive player of the year, this league is in a little bit of trouble. This 26-year-old total stud spent more time shooting underwear commercials for Kim Kardashian than he did at training camp. And look, you know, I don't begrudge him that. I don't begrudge him his offseason. It was the right business move for him to play hardball with the 49ers. To me, the wrong business move was the 49ers allowing that game of hardball to go on for so long. I think it absolutely stunted the beginning of his season. And still through all of that, still, you know, through everything that is a, and I'm going to use air quotes here. You can see on YouTube me going slow start, right? Wait, I have no idea what just happened. I think I got some, fr I, I saw like confetti and then I saw something frozen. My goodness, what the hell just happened? Um, all I can tell you is that the air quote, slow start. The air quote slow start was never really that slow. I mean, that's how good Nick Bosa is. It's how truly, honestly good he is. Um, he, he is forever in this league leaders among pass protection wins, uh, pressures, hits. He's beaten his blocks all the time, all the time. I mean, this guy is something else. Um, he just wasn't getting home and he's off by milliseconds. It's not like he's, you know, slow off the line. It wasn't like Bosa was doing anything that looked different. It was just that different result from last year. He wasn't getting home. Well, if those milliseconds vanish for whatever reason, 
He has now played himself into shape. He is now unlocked by the talent around him. He is now unlocked by the fact that Chase Young is, you know, his boy from college, and they're just excited to be together and go out partying again. Like, whatever it is, whatever it is, you close those milliseconds, that's when the 49ers start closing the gap between them and the very best teams in football. The amount of responsibility Nick Bosa has to ignite this defense is tantamount to the amount of responsibility that Christian McCaffrey has to ignite this offense. It's very similar. Like, these are the two guys that set the tone for the entire operation. And there's a domino effect in play. A true domino effect in play for Nick Bosa, where he either gets a massive amount of attention, which allows Hargrave and Armstead and Chase Young and Gregory and Givens and Farrell and and Kinlaw, they all start getting better, or they demand attention and Nick Bosa just gets to straight up launching pad himself at quarterbacks. So there's a domino effect, a domino effect either way here. And you just can't measure what he does in sack numbers alone. But the truth is, when you do get to start counting sack numbers, the 49ers get better. It's a very inside baseball thing to say, or inside football in this case. You know, sacks aren't the end-all, be-all. Like I saw Robert Sala, he was talking about Quinnen Williams and his lack of sacks this year and how he's one of the best five defenders in football in terms of Robert Sala's opinion. And look, I'm not going to even argue with him. Quinnen Williams is fantastic. Sack numbers be damned. But if sack numbers go up, everything gets better. Let's not deny that. It's like you're, you're making downs vanish when sack numbers go up. And if the 49ers are playing defense against fewer downs because Nick Bose is out there folding dudes in half, that's a good thing. Now, Bosa truly is a pure example of the sack is not the only thing and the amount of havoc that he creates. His raw numbers are absolutely insane over his career. 60 career games for Nick Bosa, 60 career games. He's got 47 and a half sacks, nine forced fumbles, 127 quarterback hits, and 64 tackles for a loss. Again, he hits the quarterback more than twice per game of games played than he has played. He is more than a tackle for a loss in every game uh, that he has played. Again, 60 games, 64 tackles for a loss. He's four and a half sacks away from being the 49ers' third all-time leading sacker. I mean, Bryant Young and Charles Haley might have heard of those guys. That's who he'll be behind in four and a half more sacks. And... Look, that could be a game. That could be two games for Nick Bosa when he gets going because if there's something that we've seen from him is that punches come in bunches from Nick Bosa. So if he's really about to set sail on the, hey, everybody, don't forget about Dre type of season that I think is in him, that I think is about to be unlocked by the talent around him, the time spent playing, the time that he missed in training camp being far enough behind in the rearview mirror where it doesn't even need to be talked about or worried about anymore. Here it is. This guy's a player. And you look at the, the quarterbacks that are in front of him. For the rest of the season, it's Baker Mayfield, Geno Smith, Jalen Hurts, Geno again, Kyler Murray, Lamar, Sam Howell of the Commanders, and Stafford in the season finale. It sounds like Bosa can do some serious hunting in that group. 
And again, as pockets collapse, everything starts to get easier. All of a sudden, the San Francisco 49ers secondary starts to look and play better. You can just feel it. You can see it. And it's actually happening. So this is uh, this is fun. This is about to be, I think, one of the more interesting stretches of the entire football season coming right up. This four-game set that the 49ers have in front of them. Tampa, Seattle, Philadelphia, Seattle. They go three and one. In that four-game set, things are just going to be gravy. They go 4-0. Obviously, they're going to be regarded as the best team in football at the end of a 4-0 run over their next four weeks if they get that. I don't care what else happens. I don't care what else is happening in the league. The 49ers have reemerged as the, oh, shit, don't forget about them team in this league right now that everybody has discovered either yesterday or this morning after forgetting about them due to three consecutive losses. And again, we tried to talk about things like an adult. Good football teams have bad weeks. Really good football teams prevent multiple bad weeks in a row. They had had multiple bad weeks in a row, doubt creeping in. That's why I thought that Jacksonville game was just so, so important because that game feels like it has removed all doubt. Certainly externally, I don't know how much internal doubt was really ever there, but there's less of it now. There's no doubt about that. There is less of it right now. There will be less hunger in your life when you bring an Ike's sandwich into your life. I had someone request, Damon, you know, you you do a great job selling Ike's sandwiches and how much variety there is, but tell us what's in some of these. Well, let me tell you what's in mine. The Damon Bruce is ribeye steak sliced nice and thin with provolone, with onion rings, a little steak sauce on that. I like to add onions I'm not afraid to add jalapenos. I always order extra Godfather sauce. And to me, I'm a French bread guy. I'm not a Dutch crunch guy. To me, the Dutch crunch tears up the top of the roof of my mouth anyways. Never been a Dutch crunch guy. I think it's too uh, uh, absorbent. I think French bread allows all the uh, accoutrement to lay on the sandwich where the Dutch crunch kind of sucks it in. I know that this is a controversial take in the world of Ike's. People love that Dutch crunch. I'm a French bread guy, but that's what's in the Damon Bruce. And I know that because Ike and I invented that together. Get yourself a Damon Bruce. I am delicious. I know so many of you, men, women, doesn't matter. It's San Francisco. You want me in your mouth. Just admit it. Put me in your mouth. Get me at Ike's. I am delicious. I'm absolutely delicious. What I also want to tell you about is, you know, so this is my favorite t-shirt. Bar none. The reason Sutro is part of the show's logos because I just, I fell in love with this tower right away. I saw it on a t-shirt at Jack's. I said, I need that. You're going to need t-shirts from Jack's when you see the collection. It's the coolest vintage stuff that you're going to find anywhere. Stuff that you will find nowhere else can be found at Jack's. There's a brick and mortar on Chestnut Street, but jacksf.com is the place to go for all of your holiday shopping. Use promo code DamonBruce10 and you will get 10% off. Jacksf.com. Two S's. J-A-C-K-S-S-F.com. The coolest t-shirts you're going to see in your life. Go ahead, use promo code Damon Bruce 10 for 10% off. Also, 
MyBookie.ag is the best place to go, not only if you're looking for the best prop bets, the best odds, the best, easiest user interface in terms of any gambling site you're going to find. And what I really love about it is that there's also a casino there. So you want to spend about a half an hour playing a little blackjack because you're waiting for a Warriors game to tip off. You can do that. You can have fun in a casino. It's like being on a cruise ship in international waters. MyBookie.ag, anything you want to do with a little wagering can be done at MyBookie.ag and use promo code Damon there and you will get up to a 50% deposit match up to $1,000. So check that out as you continue through your football season. There's a lot of good odds for you. There's a lot of fun to be had. So as we were saying, Bosa's raw numbers, his talent, it's insane. Nick Bosa has a body type that means he gets to get off the bus first. That's the first guy off the bus. This is an old high school football saying. The other team is kind of peeking out a window from the locker room. You want your mama Chewbacca Mac Daddy player off the bus first. Maybe it's Trent Williams because Trent is the size of a, a small skyscraper. Probably a medium skyscraper if we're being totally honest. The next guy off the bus is Nick Bosa. And you want them coming off in the underwear. You want to see those quads popping. You want to see those lats and traps and just biceps. I mean, the guy is the Incredible Hulk. And you want that guy coming off the bus. And when you see that dude coming off the bus, there's a hush that falls over that locker room like, holy shit, we got to play that guy today. And this brings me to Brock Purdy. Because Brock Purdy is the opposite of that. Brock Purdy is probably the last guy you have get off the bus because when it comes to cutting a physically intimidating figure or silhouette, eh, that ain't the business that Brock Purdy is in. That incredible athlete body's life did not choose him. And because of that, the 49ers got to select him with the last pick in the draft. A physical figure, Brock Purdy is not, but a collection of data points. He's one of the most scary guys in football working and living today, and there's no doubt about it. Let me share this with you. Saw this. I shared it on Twitter. This is early down versus late down efficiency so far, and every single dot you see on this chart is a quarterback. And the reason why you can't see Brock Purdy's name is because he is under the Damon Bruce logo. I'm going to hide that for just a second. I'm going to hide that for you so you can see that Brock Purdy is all the way up and to the right. He's in his own quadrant. He's got his own fucking quadrant, boys and girls. And you see Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, who I, I'm guessing his dot moves a little further back after last night's game. C.J. Stroud, what an incredible rookie year he's having. Tua has been you know, promised for many years. It feels like this is the year he's arrived. But look at where Brock Purdy is. Do you know what that dot all the way up there means? It means Grant Cohn doesn't even know what he's looking at. That's what that means. That means people who want to tell you what Brock Purdy isn't, instead of framing him as who he is, are just out of their minds. 
You know, they're unqualified for the work that is to be done. It's insane. Look at where Brock Purdy is and tell me what he isn't. This is about efficiency. This is what you do. This, the, the name of this graph should be called, how do you do with the chains? Do you move them chains? How do you do in first down efficiency, early down efficiency, late down efficiency? Look at this dude. Look at where Brock Purdy is. He's essentially off the chart of NFL quarterbacks. How are you going to argue with that, right? How are you going to go ahead and say Brock Purdy isn't whatever you want to say he isn't this week? It seems pretty nuts. Seems pretty nuts to me that anyone would try to tell you what he isn't. But it's a cottage industry. It's a cottage industry to sell you what he isn't. And I don't know why. Because that cottage, to me, has so significantly burnt down, there's nothing left to really sell. And it gets worse. It gets even worse. Let me share with you some raw numbers and data for Brock Purdy that go back 57 years. We're going back to the merger in 1966. NFL career ranks... Since the merger, so we're talking a sample size of 339 professional quarterbacks who attempted 400 or more passes going back 57 years, nearly 340 quarterbacks who all have thrown at least 400 passes. In terms of passer rating, Brock Purdy is first since the merger. His completion percentage of 68.1 is the best among all quarterbacks who have played since the merger. His yards per attempt at 8.8 is the best since the NFL merger in 1966. His passing touchdowns per attempts, which is clocking in at 6.7%, is the best since the merger 57 years ago. What we have in Brock Purdy, whether you like him or not, whether you bet on him or not, whether you want to root for him or not, it doesn't matter because what we have is now, with data to back it up, the single greatest start any quarterback has ever had in a career. Everyone needs to seriously shut up when they're trying to tell you what this guy isn't because what he is is unbelievable early in his career unbelievable, historically unbelievable. And that's more than just a guy who's in a system. That's more than just a dude who is, you know, okay at it. Lucky to be here. Put him somewhere else. Take the talent around him and put it somewhere else. What do you got then? I wish I could seriously run some of your cockamamie experiments. I'd like to find out. I'd like to find out. But... We don't have to run any fictitious, hypothetical situations. The only situation that matters in football are football situations. And in football situations just this season, so forget about going back 57 years to 1966 for just a moment. Um, This season, Brock Purdy is number one in passer rating, number one in QBR, number one in average yards per completion, and only five quarterbacks who have started nine to ten games so far have thrown fewer interceptions. They are Kenny Pickett, Derek Carr, Russell Wilson, and C.J. Stroud. All of them have four or less. Brock is at five. 
training camp interceptions. <laughs> so I thought about this. I thought about this, and I think I'm on to something. Um, there are three reasons why people still insist on putting some shade on Brock Purdy. There are three reasons more than any other reasons. Number one, moronic hot take shows set the tone for all sports conversations. And every single host on these hot take shows is anti-Purdy, and we'll tell you why in just a little bit. But this is why I have been sent by Sports God to combat all of this nonsense. And again, at the detriment of my own growth, you will never find me in the hot take industry. You know, I would rather have the subscribers that I have today than twice that and have to make shit up just to pull people in and be interesting. I think that actually talking about sports with nuance and like some 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 experience and not being a prisoner of a moment is the best way to serve you. And the amount of you that comes into this community is the best version of any chat room I've ever seen on anyone's website ever. I mean, we have a really cool group of people who are adults and don't troll each other and don't just throw stupid nonsense against the wall. Sure. Sometimes those people come on in here, but they're not, they don't live here. They're among the uninitiated. The rest of you were born into it. So you have an entire industry where any element of adult nuanced discussion that could actually drift into the lane of interesting is removed and subtracted in the name of noise and attention grabbing nonsense. So it's an overall industry problem. And then number two, as people avoid major industry shows, as people are turning away from actual vetted people who have risen to the point of I host a show nationally or something like that, not even that half of them are good at it, but as people turn away from that, they turn to, you know, YouTube. And YouTube is incredible. I'm, I'm singing the praises of YouTube, but it allows anyone to come in the door and fancy themselves an expert on whatever topic they open their mouths on. And very few are. Very few are. And I'm not holding it against those people, but there are a lot of people who really want to talk about sports but have absolutely no idea what they're even looking at, much less even being good at talking about what they're pretending to see or think they're seeing. Um you got a whole bunch of people who don't know what they're looking at, don't know how the league works, and are completely bewildered by the entire operation and enterprise of professional football. Fire that guy. Fire this guy. Trade that guy. Do this guy. None of it can happen, but, you know, it's not going to stop you from saying it. So there's an element of there is now less of an experienced moderator, journalist, host, whatever you want to call the person who sits in front of the microphone. There's less experience out there, and with less experience means less competent information gets shared. But you know those things, right? You know that the national shows stink. You know that a bunch of content creators are just total panic button pushers and don't really know what they're talking about. You know that. There's another reason why Brock Purdy continues to get shade in the world of football. And it's because of draft snobs. Because 
draft snobs really are among the least useful voices in the world of football media. But boy, do they like to interject themselves into every single conversation. And they hate not being right more than they even hate being wrong. And Brock Purdy, who was never appointed by a single person as a steal of the draft or a potential, or this guy could be the single best Mr. Irrelevant. You know, no one came out and framed him at that right away. He was, you know, like all Mr. Irrelevance, just instantly and summarily dismissed. And Brock Purdy really is the living embodiment of nobody knows what they're talking about on this subject, which is oversold to you as very important subject, football fans, the draft nicks out there, draftism, draft stock, draft nicks, draft nerds, whatever you want to call it. He is proof positive. Brock Purdy is proof positive admission that Everything and everyone is guessing when they draft players. And I don't care if you're a content creator, you write for Sports Illustrated, or you're the general manager of an NFL team. Everyone is guessing. And I've said this all the time. I know I'm repeating myself, but it's the truth. And this is truth that doesn't get clicks. You know, my, these five players are guaranteed to pop column. Is going to get a lot more attention than no player is guaranteed to pop column. There is no guarantee anyone pops. I don't care if you are the starting quarterback at Alabama or you are the starting quarterback at a college that no one's ever heard of. Nothing is guaranteed, not to no one, not, it doesn't matter what you do in college. There is nothing that proves that you can play in the NFL until you play in the NFL, and that's it. And that is a terrible thing if you are selling draftism. To, 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 to admit it's the truth. It's the honest to God's truth. Brock was never appointed by a single person as he might be. So no one wants to admit that they got that wrong. No one, no one wants to admit that they, you know, that, 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 you know, that they just want to say he's a short fuse. He'll burn out quickly. There's really nothing to see here. And again, nothing to see here. What about this? What about that? I literally have to take the Damon Bruce Show logo down so you can see Brock Purdy's dot. You think there's something to see there? Does that matter? I mean, that graph, that, that whole entire bar graph should be known as fuck around and find out. Everyone associated with the draft is guessing. And no one wants to admit they're wrong. No one wants to say that they didn't get something right. And Brock Purdy is literally a living human being shaving cream pie to the face of everyone who wants to sell you. You you follow me. I know the draft. No one knows anything. And Brock is, is proof of it. And look, Purdy has given his critics like nothing to talk about other than how wrong they were. So they don't want to talk about it, right? They don't want to actually frame him. And look, he's not cool. He's not flashy. Brock Purdy is not from a cool college. Iowa State is about as uncool as college football gets. He is not a physical stud. He doesn't say anything that gets attention. Uh, He's the perfect student. He's not a class disruptor. We all know the kid disrupting class gets more attention than the kid who's just doing his work. And that's all Brock Purdy does. I think I've said this before. I'm going to say it again. 
Brock Purdy is the John Cougar Mellencamp of quarterbacks. No one goes out on Mellencamp tour. No one, no one rocks John Mellencamp t-shirts. No, no one claims Josh Mellencamp is, that's my guy. No one. No one. You know, and, and, and then like you look a little closer and you're like, oh, Hurts So Good and Jack and Diane and Crumbling Down and Pink Houses and Lonely Old Night and Small Town and Paper and Fire and Cherry Bomb. And, you know, the guy's got 22 top 40 hits and he sold 60 million albums and he's in the Rock and Roll and Songwriters Hall of Fame. And you got to admit that even though you didn't even want to go to that concert that you were dragged to, you did know half the words to every single song and you recognized every single song. And you know what? At the end of the day, even though you didn't give him any credit at all, he's pretty good. He's more than pretty good. He's like all time level good. But it's not cool. It's not cool. You know, they knew how uncool John Mellencamp was, so they made up a nickname for him. They're like, call him Cougar. That's cool. Call him Johnny Cougar. And then Johnny Cougar was like, hey, can we get my last name on here? My last name's not Cougar. This is stupid. They're like, all right, we're going to go with John Cougar Mellencamp. And then he starts to dictate how his career goes, and he's like, we're dropping the Cougar. I don't have to. I don't have to try to be cool anymore. It doesn't matter if you like me or not. The success is there in data points. The success is there in data points. Nothing proves that you can play in this league until you're actually in this league. Now, I told you, always going to the headphones. What's that mean? I told you that I was going to deliver for you a guest of circumstance. And, you know, forget about G.I. Joe. I've always been a Cobra guy. Oh, been a Cobra guy, Matt Mayoko. What's going on, Damon? It is good to see you, brother. Thank you so much for stopping on by. A little State of the Union is what I kind of want to get into with you. And I really thought that we needed to see the game in Jacksonville before we could really frame the State of the Union correctly. I thought it was a massive fork in the road game for the season, for the feel of the team, for Shanahan himself, even though, you know, he has no career hanging in the balance of that game. It was as big of a game for all the other reasons that a game can be big to a head coach. And Matt, flying colors? I mean, is that the right way to say that they passed that test? They That's about as dominant a performance as I can remember in Jacksonville. It was kind of like you that, – that was kind of like the continuation from the week five game against Dallas, right? I mean, that's the way that one felt where – Week five against Dallas, everybody was going crazy over this team and, oh, they're the best team in the league. And then after three weeks, people started putting them around, you know, 10, 12, whatever, and then immediately goes back to where it was. So, you know, they face an uphill battle, I guess you would say, to get that number one seed. Uh, but now they've kind of reestablished themselves in that upper echelon but we'll see if they can carry that over i mean this game against tampa is a, a game that they should win but then the next three weeks are gonna be pivotal those are the those are the three games that will kind of tell you not necessarily where this team's going to go once the postseason starts but certainly where the team is going to be once the the postseason starts. I mean, that's going to, I think their fate will kind of be sealed after those next three games. 
It's a massive litmus test. I mean, you got division rival, the bell of the ball in the NFC, and then right back into a division rival who, no matter how the Seahawks are playing, Pete Carroll's always got the what for for the 49ers. He really yeah. does. He brings out the best in his team against this team. And it's always a fascinating fight. The unlocking of Nick Bosa, Cobra, uh, like if he returns to defensive player of the year form because of either Chase Young or the fact that Steve Wilkes has now got his feet on the lawn instead of up in the press box. Like, I don't know what does it, but if he is truly unlocked, that's almost as big of a development for the Niners defense as adding Christian McCaffrey was to the 49ers offense. I get, you know what, I, I, when people first started kind of equating those two, I kind of pushed back on that. But now after seeing it in play, and I don't know if it's only Bosa, I mean, it might be Armstead, it might be Hargrave as well, that the that the acquisition of Chase Young helps. And you know, for the longest time, the PFF was really grading Nick Bosa highly. And anytime somebody would say that, you know, Nick Bosa is not having a good season, I would kind of agree, but then look at these PFF stats and they always had him rated as like one of the top edge guys in the league. And I, it didn't really match what you were seeing, but this game, it kind of all came into to focus. Like he was, he was, he was making plays before. And most of the time, I guess he was coming close to making plays. But this was the first time where he actually made the kind of plays and showed the kind of production that had an impact on the game. And I don't think that that was the case up until this point. So, you know, the the play that was certainly kind of emblematic of what the 49ers expect that to be was when those two reached the quarterback at the exact same time. You know, Chase Young, I think, got there a split second before Bosa. Then Bosa gets to Trevor Lawrence and causes the strip sack and recovered the fumble as well. So uh, Chase Young is, I mean, if you, you're around him, man, he's an impressive looking guy. I mean, he's huge. Um, it looks like he's over those injuries that plagued him in year two and three in his career. And of course, Washington did not pick up the fifth year option because I think they were very concerned about his long-term future and his sustainability in the league. And the 49ers weren't concerned about that at all because you know, he's not under contract for next year to anybody. And so this was not basically, this was a half season rental. And then we'll see what the 49ers are able to do in the playoffs. But, uh, you know, they just, they, they gauge the, the price. They feel like they can get that third round pick back and probably even a better third round pick back as a compensatory, not in 2024, but in 2025. So, um, yeah, there's a chance we'll see how this whole thing turns out. But, you know, I think because of Chase Young, and it wasn't all because of Chase Young, but there was that trickle-down effect where, like, it mentioned, it helps all those other defensive linemen that I mentioned. And what does that do? That also helps the coverage on the back end. You know, you see uh, not only on the back end, but you see Fred Warner get an interception because of pressure on the quarterback. You see Hufanga get a, an interception as well. So it really does kind of have – just the, the addition of one more edge rusher that they really didn't have before that, it did have an effect across the entire defensive uh, unit of the 49ers from front to back. 
Matt Mayoko, live from the breakfast nook. It is so good to have him here once again. No, not in the breakfast nook. Oh, I'm, no, in the, that's right. I'm in the uh, daughter's bedroom today. Oh. The, the daughter who is off to uh, University of Oregon and who uh, will be returning home on Friday for, uh, for well, just the weekend. But yeah, I've, I've uh, aced her out of her room and now I'm here. Sorry, uh, young Cobra Mayoko. That's the way it goes. That That's... Um, but it, it's, it's, it's good to have you from any room in your house. Again, thanks so much for stopping on by, especially on a day off. I reached out to Matt a couple of weeks ago, said, can we get together? And he's like, I'm slammed right now. He hit me this morning. He's like, I'm free. I'm like, let's party. Thank, thank you for coming on by, man. Um, why do you think shitting on Brock Purdy is a cottage industry, even oh. though he continues to return data points that says everyone needs to talk less and watch more? Yeah, I can tell you exactly why. I mean, there's this there's this element of everybody sees one thing. So how can you attract eyeballs and how can you get people talking about yourself? It's by taking the opposite approach, regardless of how ridiculous and stupid it is. So, I mean, it's it's kind of a selfish thing. Like, you know, everybody, everybody thinks Brock Purdy is a, a good quarterback better than a good quarterback and especially where they got him. Maybe there's an element to, maybe there is some genuineness with those people, whoever they are knocking Brock Purdy. I kind of doubt it. I think they can't be serious. You know, you can't watch what he's done and have anything but admiration and respect for what he's done. So I don't know if it's, oh, I'm so tied into where a player is drafted. But I, I just think if you watch him, I mean, that throw he made, the Kittle touchdown. Not uh, bad for a guy without any arm strength. He didn't even yeah, that's the crazy thing. No, it, it was like the way, the toughness he showed to hang in there, let that play develop, and then throw the ball that far down the field with like zero room to throw, the pocket collapsing. And that was an incredible play. So I, I do think that maybe there's also an element of, well, he was the last pick in the draft. He gets off to a good start. He can't be that good. So I'm going to, I'm going to say he's not that good. And then I'm just going to keep saying it regardless of what, what, what uh, anybody's eyeballs or logic tells them. So I don't know. I, I just don't, I, I honestly, at this, Point, don't think that anybody who is criticizing Brock Purdy is being serious. And I and I think they're probably as disingenuous as you could possibly get. I mean, I think, or they're just flat out lying for for clicks, for attention. Um, that, that's that's my take. I mean, do you agree? Yeah, no, I think that that's a huge element of it. And I do think that there is an element of draftism, I think, going on here where uh, Brock Purdy is living physical evidence that when it comes to covering and all the breathless attention that the draft gets, no one knows shit until the games actually start. And, and, and you know what? He, this this is a guy, Damon, that has made me rethink everything about the quarter posi quarterback position that I thought I knew. And in case in point, like Caleb Williams, oh my God, what a talent. I mean, what, I mean, he's incredible. So fun to watch Heisman trophy winner last year, you know, just an incredible talent. And will probably be the number one overall pick in the draft. 
But if you ask me, do you think he's going to be successful in the NFL? My answer would be, I have no idea because it's a completely different game. And the things that make you successful in college aren't necessarily the things that make you successful in the NFL. So I would answer, how's his anticipation? How's how's his ability to be able to diagnose defenses and, and throw to spots rather than throw to open receivers and hit them in stride? You know, it's like all these little things that I never – well, they aren't little, but all the things that I never really paid all that much attention to – um, Brock Purdy has kind of opened my eyes to like the leadership, the accountability, all that stuff. The one thing about Caleb Williams, I don't, I don't mean to like harp on him, but they lost that game. I think it was against uh, Utah and he was on the bench for like 15 minutes after the game, instead of going out there and shaking the hand of the quarterback that, that beat him right. and, instead of like getting into the locker room and, and being a leader. And so it's stuff like that, that, really separates i mean just i mean case in point on sunday too i mean this was brock purdy number 262 against trevor lawrence number one number one from the year before no two years before right Right. who is the better quarterback in that game and maybe who's just the better quarterback period boy i can make a really strong case it's brock purdy how about (laughs) this matt if we were just talking AFC is not included in this conversation. NFC quarterbacks only. I'll spot you Jalen Hurts. Yeah. Who else is better than Purdy? Without a well, doubt. Definitely better than Purdy. Um, Maybe, I Bradford. Maybe Bradford? Maybe uh, Bradford? Who, who or, or, not, 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 I, I always got... Oh, uh, Cousin? Bradford. Maybe, maybe Stafford. Stafford. Yeah, I always call Stafford Bradford. I, I, yeah. I'm still stuck in St. Louis yeah. Rams mode. Right. Um, a little, you know, Stafford because he's done it for so long. Um, you know, Cousins is injured now, but he's he's a good quarterback. He is. Um, who else? But where uh, else are you going? Exactly. Yeah, like, it's I not. Know. Gino, I mean, then, it's then you're right. Then you're then you're starting to talk about Geno Smith. You know, is it? You know, is, is it Derek Carr? I mean, you know, off on his best day. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, I mean, underrated. I think, but I I, I honestly think this uh, that Brock Purdy is the first legitimate Pro Bowl quarterback. And a lot of that has to do with, like you mentioned, the CNFC, but. He's the first legitimate Pro Bowl quarterback the 49ers have had in two decades, you know, since Jeff Garcia. So, you know, you're talking and you'll know, make, I don't know how much you want to rely on the stats or passer rating, but generally the guy who leads in passer rating, you know, the, the top people in passer rating, which takes into account yards per attempt, touchdowns, interceptions, you know, those are the kind of the key metrics in the passer rating. Usually those guys who are up there in passer rating are also pass the eyeball test as the best quarterbacks. And right now Brock Purdy is number one in the league when it comes to passer rating. So He's number one in passer rating going back 57 years to the merger in a sample size of 339 quarterbacks with at least 400 passes. He's got the best pass rating, the best completion percentage, the most yards per attempt, and the best touchdown per attempt ratio since the merger. 
Yeah. In all these categories, it's really ridiculous. Uh, let's say Matt Mayoko, the credible journalist who is well-respected, wanted to turn into evil Matt Mayoko and just go yeah. full on clickbait. Wh sure. What would you do? What would be your strategy? Would you be talking about Steve Wilkes coming down from the box? Would you be saying that Kyle Shanahan needs to be fired? Uh, how would evil <laughs> Matt Mayoko handle the clickbait? You mean right now? After yeah. this game or leading into it? Well, I'd probably, if I wanted the clickbait, I would say Brock Purdy sucks. <laughs> I would say he's, you know, I'd say that, the, the, you know, the, uh, that, that uh, it's going to strike midnight, you know, all that stuff. Um, yeah. I mean, I would say Jed York is a fool for <laughs> uh, giving uh, Shanahan and Lynch extensions when they have a the numbers on those yet, by the way, do we, do we have any idea what the number on that extension is? Well, I, you know what, they've been really protective of, of that. And I'm not quite sure why, I but, um, I mean, it was, it was advertised as multi-year extensions. And so yeah, exactly how it, so this would have been the last, so I'd say at least through, okay, let me do my numbers here. I think next was next year, the last year. Yeah, so twenty five. So it'd be through twenty twenty seven for both of those guys. And, and I would say this. I mean, I you know when I reported a week ago that along with that came a new title for John Lynch, uh, president of football operations slash general manager. So he remains the general manager. But the question is, you know, how long is he going to be? Does he want to be do this? I think he enjoys it. I think it's also a grind for him. Um, I, I don't think, you know, he's not giving away any of his responsibilities right now to Adam Peters, though he leans heavily on him and RJ Gillen and, uh, Tarek Ahmad, the, the other top guys in the personnel department. But, you know, at some point, if the 49ers do win a Super Bowl, wouldn't it shock me to see John Lynch say, okay, it's family time. You know, I got my Super Bowl ring as a player, got my Super Bowl ring as an executive, uh, let's go make some money from prime, you know, let, let's take Kirk Herb Street's job or whatever the case may be and, and go get some money. And, uh, I can't say necessarily that he'd be spending more time with the family because I know there's a lot of travel involved with, with that job as well. But, uh, yeah, so that, those would be my, my clickbait items. I can't think of anything else that I would, um, uh, oh, I guess you could say, uh, Debo Samuel isn't performing, so they need to cut him at the end of the season and and uh, and make sure that they keep Brandon Ayuk around. That's Look, my that's my clickbait stuff. Thing, but, but that might not even be wrong. Here's the thing: Debo Samuel yeah. is a much better football player than he is a wide receiver, and I, I don't mean that as, yeah, as, no, as that, a detriment. You know what I mean? Uh, but here's also the thing: is he does bring something to the table that is that's not definable. And you see it, and this is might sound absolutely ridiculous, but like when they come out of the locker room before the game, it's him and Trent Williams kind of hyping up the team with the boom box. But it just matters. the way the way he plays is, I mean, it's special, like how hard he plays, and it has an impact on the defense too. I mean, those guys see it, and and then also because he and Christian McCaffrey are so unique, having. Debo Samuel out there opens things up for other people because defenses really have to pay attention to him. Where's he lining up? He's okay. He's on the outside. Is he the X? Is he the Z? Is he lining up in the backfield? Where's McCaffrey now? I mean, it, it just, it, it creates 
more elements that the defense not only has to prepare for, but also be very cognizant of even, you know, pre-snap or when the ball is snapped. Right. It's not just eye candy. There's actual nutritional value there that you have to pay attention to. So he is, he, he definitely helps unlock all of what Kyle wants to do offensively. And you talk about the, the things that are hard to measure the intangibles to me, the Niners are at their best when they're playing with violence, not only yeah. defensively, but offensive violence. And I think that he represents a huge slice of the offensive violence pie. Obviously, Trent Williams and Debo come back healthy. And what do you know? They're running for a buck 44 against one of the best run defenses in all of football again. Speaking of defense, Cobra, has Ambry Thomas usurped Isaiah Oliver in the secondary? I would think so. Yeah, I, I know they don't want to just say that, that it's a and, and it's Steve Wilkes in the preseason even talked about, you know, it'll be a week to week thing, how they how they approach their defense uh, based on the opponent. But I think it's just really difficult to come up with any kind of argument. I guess you could say, well, if they face if the slot receiver they face is more of a bigger physical possession type of guy, maybe that suits Oliver better in that nickelback role. But, you know, uh, Diamador Lenore is a better cover guy moving from cornerback to slot, cornerback to nickel in passing situations. And then Ambry Thomas, who's, yeah, he's been up and down uh, during his short time with the Niners. But, you know, he played pretty well on Sunday against the Jags. So, I mean, I would think that that that's the way that they would want to go moving forward is they, I, the coverage is better. Oliver's not a good coverage guy. Um, and I think maybe 49ers have been spoiled for the past, whatever, six or eight years with uh, Kwan Williams playing at a high level and then Jimmy Ward last year. So that nickelback position wasn't anything that anybody really had to talk about or the 49ers had to worry about uh, while, those two guys were here, and now all of a sudden there is some issues. So I, I it's got to cause some problems for Lenore to play two positions like that, and I'm not sure how many corners in the league do that, slide inside to play nickelback. Um, but it sure looked a lot better on Sunday. And granted, they weren't facing you know a Kirk Cousins who was rolling that night or Joe Burrow who was rolling that Sunday. But uh, it's still – a yeah, it should be a decent Jaguars offense. I think they've kind of underperformed this year, but I would think that you'll see the same lineup, uh, the same nickel situation, the same nickel personnel on Sunday against Tampa Bay that you saw against the Jags. By the way, I think we've started here something, Matt. Uh, a lot of people are excited about evil Cobra time. Very Cobra. excited about what evil Cobra could bring to the table yeah. and to the conversation. It's uh, again, it's a career choice. I'm just putting out there yeah. for you. Um, let me ask you this. And again, thank you so much for joining us on a day off. We'll let you get right back to another room in your house other than your daughter's bedroom talking to us. So appreciate your time. What has Jordan Mason done or not done? to evaporate from this offense. And why is Eli Mitchell so much more of a trusted agent when I just, I don't really see it in him to the point where we shouldn't see Mason at all. What happened? Well, first off, Christian McCaffrey is Christian McCaffrey. And And so they have, you know, they really have a difficult time taking him off the field, even when it's 34 to three. (laughs) So, you know, they're trying to get him. 
that was such an anti Shanahan thing to do. I know that that it record was. is important and everything, and he wanted to do that. But that that to me is like the opposite of everything Kyle stands for as a coach. I I would agree. I was I was really surprised he did that. Yeah, and I I don't know. I yeah, eighteen in a row. I mean, this was a record that I didn't even know was a record until you right. know a month ago, right? So so it's not like one. It's not like four seventeen or you know whatever. It's not like a record that everybody like. Oh my gosh, you know Lenny Moore's record. It's still no one has talked about <laughs> Lenny Moore's record until literally you know a month ago when it became. And there were several weeks where. People recognize that Christian McCaffrey had scored a lot of touchdowns in a row, but never even associated Lenny Moore with the guy. It was always like uh, the most touchdowns in a row since 1990. And then people, and then I think whatever Elias or whoever kind of dug up, oh, Lenny Moore, did, you know, eight or 17. So anyway, um, but I would, I would say what what Elijah Mitchell did in 20. 21 is that right no 2020 my years are rolling together but his rookie season 2021 it was a really good rookie year really good season and he ran hard he he made a lot of yards he did well in the playoffs and all that so just the fact that he was a starter for as long as he was and he missed a lot of games that season too but i think that just that every down nature even though it was two years ago stuck with the 49ers and now he has more knowledge of the playbook and all that, even though he hasn't played. So I think that's the thing. I mean, I don't think it's any knock on Jordan Mason. I mean, he's, he's obviously as, as an undrafted guy, uh, usurped uh, Ty Davis price. They, I, it sure seems like they have four pretty good running backs. Uh, and he's he's done some nice stuff on special teams. He's showing up in yeah. that box score with tackles every week. I'll give him that. Yeah. So I don't I don't think it's necessarily a reflection on them not liking Jordan Mason. I mean, a year ago, remember he closed out that he, he was a closer in some of those games last year, including against Seattle, uh, late in that Thursday night game that clinched the 49ers the the division. So I, I mean, I think in a perfect scenario, us on the outside would think, wow, the you know, 49ers could be better if they mix in those other guys a little bit more. And, you know, with McCaffrey, is there kind of that element of diminishing returns the more he plays? But he sure looked fresh on Sunday. And, you know, how much of that is Trent Williams coming back? How much of that is Evo Samuel coming back? Or just how much of it was he was fresh? So if, the, if that's the kind of freshness we saw against Jacksonville, I would think that would be motivation for the 49ers to work those other guys in a little bit more. So I guess I really don't have a good answer for you why those guys, you know, I don't know if the term is falling out of favor, but I think it's just that they love McCaffrey so much that it's it pains them to take him off the field. So you get a, a pill and it's a bonkers pill. And you are allowed to hand this pill to one player. This isn't the evil Cobra pill? No, this isn't the evil Cobra pill. This is a bonkers pill, meaning this player is about to go bonkers oh. for the rest of the regular season. And mm. if this player goes bonkers, the easiest path to the playoffs will have revealed itself. Now, we all know that McCaffrey might not even need that pill. So I don't know if you want to waste it on him. I mean, sure, it's easy to give it to the quarterback, but the quarterback is playing pretty bonkers without that pill. So 
It's up to you to distribute the one and only bonkers pill, Cobra. Who's getting your bonkers pill? The bonkers pill. Um, It would have to be, I think it would have to be on the defensive side because the offense has enough guys that nobody necessarily has to go bonkers, that there's enough. I would say, gosh, would it have to be, I think it's got to be somebody on the back end to kind of clean things up. My first thought was Chase Young um, for the bonkers pill. But let's go, I was thinking either Gibson or Hufanga. Let's go Hufanga, the bonkers pill, to clean stuff up on the back end, help out those corners a little bit, but also be attacking the line of scrimmage and making plays there. Uh, So we saw a little bit of it. We, We saw him have a takeaway on Sunday, but I'd say because of his ability to play the run and the pass and, and also, um, I'm going to go. Who would you go with? So I, I almost, I think you're in the right spot to put it. I would say maybe even Mooney Ward, because I, if, he, I was thinking that. Yep. if he can stop drawing penalties mm-hmm. and continue to make plays in the end zone, like he did on that Christian Kirk pass, which saved yeah. that game from becoming a game early. Um, I thought that was among the biggest plays of the day in Jacksonville. The, the, the great play that he made on the Kirk um, near touchdown. He just got his hand up there and knocked it away. It, it would be him. Or if I went back to the other side of the ball, to me, the 49ers are at their best when George Kittle's making a lot of noise. You know, not one of those nuanced games where we'll check the pro football focus score to see how he did in run blocking. I'm talking about six catches, 130 yards, two touchdowns. It feels like when Kittle has one of those, they're in the win column almost automatically. So yeah. I would go Mooney, Hufanga, or Kittle if we were going offense. Yeah. No, I think that's all. Yeah, that's that's all very the, the the reason I didn't go Ward was because I felt like if there's one corner really playing well, then teams can kind of go to the other side. But but if you're cutting the, the field in half like that, that's that's fine too. So the the thing is they have so many of those guys who are capable of taking that bonkers pill and and producing the rest of the season. And I think before this week. I don't think that there was anybody on the team that was playing at a level that people expected that, uh, you know, there's McCaffrey, of course, but even he had that, that really costly fumble against the Vikings. But I don't know that there was anybody that was playing at a consistently high level every game where the team was happy, the fan base was happy, and that player was happy. Maybe, maybe Warner a little bit. But I think there were some issues with, you know, defending the screen pass, some coverage types of stuff. Um, but I think on this last game, you saw just about everybody play at that expected level. If they can, if they can bottle that, if they can continue to do that, which is not easy, obviously in the NFL. But if they if they can have more guys, these top line guys playing at the level that they're expected to play at, this team should be in pretty good shape going forward. When's the last time you took a bonkers pill and what band was playing that night? 
it's been a while. It's been such a long time. I don't even remember taking the bonkers pill. That's, or maybe I just, maybe it was last night and I just forgot taking it. (laughs) Matt, thank you so very much. Whenever the Cobra strikes, we all become better football fans. I thank you for it. I wish you the best on the rest of your day off. Thanks to uh, daughter Mayoko for use of the studio this afternoon and all the best to you, brother. Thanks so much. All right, Damon, have a good one. Take care. There he is. The Cobra himself, Matt Mayoko. Always great to see him stop on by. A couple of times a year is all we can ask. That man is stretched thin. He is very busy. It's great to have Matt Mayoko coming on by. A lot of you I see are interested in a bonkers pill, if you could take it yourself. And what do you know? A Golden State Warrior might need to take a bonkers pill tonight to get them into the win column. I am looking at the chat right now. And I am seeing that we have multiple people saying that Curry is not going to play tonight. No Curry for the Warriors. Oh, no, the play-in game. Oh, no. Look, Steve ran an experiment on Sunday against the Minnesota team. And tonight, the Warriors are going to be forced to do some scoring without Steph Curry if he can't play. Maybe that's actually good. I think they lose the game, but maybe it gets somebody other than Steph Curry or Dario Saric once in Oklahoma City over a 20-point mark? Wow. That is uh, basically a dead-on-arrival game without Steph Curry. Uh, More Kaminga, more Moody, more Trace Jackson Davis. Give me some Pajemski. Give me some Dario Saric. Kerr now has options he didn't have before. So when Wiggins, when Clay, they're not going well. I'd love to see Kerr pull one of those option levers that he now has that he didn't. But without Curry, let's face it, you're pretty much a dead man walking as the Golden State Warriors are currently playing because without Curry, there is no offense. And if he doesn't play tonight, that's going to be rough. Old Dirty Hungus saying, hey, man, bonkers pill. Just chew it and do it. (laughs) That poor, poor woman. So there it is. A little Cobra strike. I think we had some really good stuff that we got into talking about Bosa, talking about Purdy, talking about the haters, talking about how there and, and Matt even said there's a totally disingenuous industry that is attention seeking, not information distributing that is responsible for an awful lot of that. And it's amazing how, you know, I was telling you this during training camp. It's amazing what happens when football that matters starts being played. And then you see How quickly washed away is all the stuff that doesn't matter at all. You all matter so much to me. Thank you very much. How about this? Today I go get my Kobe knee treatment. I've got bone on bone. I've been recommended for partial knee replacement. I have met an orthopedist named Dr. Paul Hughes who is going to basically take some fat cells or something. I don't know what he does, but he basically he removes some cells, he spins them in one of those centrifuges, and then he injects it into the knee. This is the controversial stuff that Kobe Bryant got done all those years ago. And now I'm going to go get the Kobe knee treatment. So I'll tell you whether or not this knee feels really good in a couple days or two. The reaction is is the the the, the improvement is supposed to be dramatic. So I'll let you know. But I do have to get going. I got Kobe knee surgery which means we can't hop into Club Plus today. 
but I'm certainly happy we got to spend some time with Cobra. I'm really happy that you got to spend some time with us and with me, and I got to spend some time with you. Thank you so very, very much. Y'all mean an awful, awful lot. Uh, yeah, shout out, Dr. Doctor. Well, it's, 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 it's Paul Hughes, not Larry Hughes, but I hear you. Um, is there a Larry Hughes? I don't know about that. Um, there you go, Damon. Uh, that's my surgeon. I got that stem cell treatment from him. Hey, there you go, Baron Red. There you go. Shout out. Here's the thing. We don't need prayers. Thank you very much, Otis. Prayers up, Damon. I hope the treatment goes well. I don't think we need prayers. I think we just need like a syringe. It's not that dramatic. Uh, but thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, Irwin, you're right about the... By the way, Irwin, again, thank you for the coffee. I finally got into your Andy's Town coffee today. It is spectacular. It really is. Um... I know now why Damon brought up the bonkers pill. He's going to be taking one later tonight after the treatment. No, 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 no. I think, I think we're just going with uh, with the J.J. Raider ganja jar. I think that should do it. I think that's going to do it. Thank you very much for being a part of this today. Thank you for hanging around and doing it with us. And all I'm going to tell you is that you don't have to go home. You can't stay here. And sports don't build character. They reveal it. And like that, he's gone.